Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Actors Inspiration with Amber Wagner. We've made it to episode 200. Woot, 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 woot. And I have a very special guest today, and I'm recording from my living room with my uh, washer and dryer going, so we might hear all kinds of stuff, including my dog barking. Happy, come here. Happy is not my guest. My guest today has known me for 45 years, and that guest is my mama Sherry. Say hi to everybody, mama Sherry. Hello. Hello, everybody. It's Mama Sherry, and I'm excited to be on Amber's podcast. Okay, and I'm running back in because uh, my dogs are going apeshit outside. So I thought this would be a fun um, way to celebrate 200 episodes in uh, having my mom here who has seen my journey from the beginning, and especially for my younger actors because I know I have a lot of people just starting out on their journey, a lot of people that are, you know, young in age, and, you know, to hear that where mine came from started so young, and I can't say where it came from, but you'll hear from my mom kind of like the, you know, her experience of raising somebody wanting to do this from a young age. Do you remember the first time that I came to you wanting to act or... No, I think it was just always like your desire, yeah. your heart's desire. And uh, one of my best memories is when you were nine. And what was the name of that play, Beach? It, it, it was uh, Brighton Beach Memoirs. Brighton Beach Memoirs. And you were nine, and you went and auditioned for it. And unfortunately, you were too young. Mm -hmm. But it was so amazing because your director... Bob Locke. ...wrote you a letter that is in your scrapbook yep. that I'll never forget and said, you know, you did great. Congratulations to you. Keep moving on. Sometimes they don't want you because your hair is the wrong color or your eyes are the wrong color. You're not tall enough. And it has nothing to do with your talent or who you are, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that was my first time really just realizing, you know, absolutely how sincere you were. And it just, went on and then when you were 15 she worked two jobs and uh, one of them was working for a, a dinner mystery theater uh-huh it was yeah it was a dinner mm -hmm. theater yeah mm -hmm. exactly murder mystery dinner theater mm -hmm. yeah so you know obviously she really really loved that and it just seemed to blossom into some other things and then you took a big break uh-huh you married paul and married a family and did wonderfully with them, but you had lost your sight on your dream. Mm -hmm. So after what was it? 10 years? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Probably yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Six. It was probably like eight years. And you were slowly dying inside. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, loved your family, loved working at Susie Cupcake. She managed everywhere. Like I said, two jobs at 15. She was always busy. Today we were walking and saw somebody with a newspaper and she said how from the time she was little, she would look in the ads for uh, acting jobs. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because I remember where I got that. Um, and I think I've shared this in an earlier episode, but uh, it was watching the movie Desperately Seeking Susan. And there's a scene in Desperately Seeking Susan where she, um, she 
puts a heart around an ad in the in the classified and I was like well what else is in the classified and when I went to see the classified at nine years old I saw actor actor like there was these jobs for actors and we lived in Sacramento and I was like what like people in Sacramento because I love Drew Barrymore I love Alyssa Milano and I was like you can act in Sacramento and so every Sunday I would look at the paper and look for auditions which is how I found the audition for Brighton Beach Mem Memoirs as a child <laughs> is that where you found yeah it was in the it was in the <laughs> paper and um, I didn't know that or I have to say um, her cat is Fred and it's a tabby a gray tabby and I never realized till six months ago when we went to see breakfast, breakfast at, Tiffany's. at Tiffany's and she's always loved Audrey Hepburn big time that she named her cat after that Fred uh -huh. and I thought that was so cool. Fred I always <laughs> just like the way she said Fred Fred and so that's my little Fred mm -hmm. um but yeah, it was just like really weird. There was like an innate calling for me to do this thing and be in this world. And there was also a period of time where I got into modeling and that was really young too. Would you say oh, when yeah, I did Mannequin were, Manor? Well, from probably 13, 12 or 13 to 16. Yeah. That's true because we went to New York and she was in the national modeling what was it a, yeah it was a the, convention it, or yeah exactly it was the IMTA convention international mm -hmm. modeling and talent um convention and that was the first time I ever had body shaming issues I never thought I was fat mm -hmm. never thought I was skinny but like I was always very comfortable with my body mm -hmm. I had some kick-ass pictures taken gorgeous photos mm -hmm. and when we got to the talent agencies, like I, I had done the runway show and whatever, and then I got a couple meetings with some people, and they said I was fat. And I was and like... she wasn't fat. No, I wasn't fat. I mm -hmm. was, you know, I was probably at that age, you know, five foot seven, so not, you know, tall enough to be maybe a runway model, and maybe 130 pounds, you know, but to their standards... Curvy. Yeah, yeah, they were looking... And she said, you can either gain 20 pounds and be a plus model or lose a lot of weight to be a fashion model. And I was 15 years old, and I was like, What? what mm -hmm. and so ever since then it was like that was when i first started having like i was more aware of my weight than i probably needed to be oh i didn't realize maybe that's where that came from yeah yeah it was mm -hmm. a trip it was such mm -hmm. a trip but um but yeah the whole you know acting journey it just yeah and i'm so glad that you kept that letter from bob Locke because as she said it's in my it's in my um my scrapbook and there's pictures of me like young taking you know headshots you know and my little arm is up I'm <laughs> posing and I had short hair um because when I was in fifth grade I cut my hair short mm -hmm. so I've always liked having short hair mm -hmm. um but I think the uh I don't know the the way that I thought I was supposed to always look was to have long hair and to you know do it a certain way I don't know it's a trip now you said that when you were young you had an opportunity to act didn't you and grandma said no oh yeah I we had um, well a friend of my parents uh, who was involved had friends in Hollywood and I was only like six or seven uh-huh and he you know he saw something in me and yeah my mom absolutely said no yeah you know? and, um, and I have no idea I mean it it wasn't my greatest desire yeah uh, but wouldn't hurt to try. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, there was a period of time where I definitely had um, internal 
not resentment, but sadness that I didn't get the opportunity at a young age to go to LA and pursue acting because I knew other kids came in. But then I also realized that, you know, I was, uh, there was trouble brewing inside of me. You know, I've mm -hmm. told the listeners that I've dealt with alcoholism and I've dealt with all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I knew young when I read Drew Barrymore's book, Little Girl Lost, when I was like 14 and she'd already gone through rehab and all stuff, I identified with her. Mm -hmm. And so I know for a fact, had I been given any type of success or fame at a young age, I would have been Lindsay Lohan. I would oh, have been oh, wow. the train wreck because mm -hmm. that's just where my mind was. I already mm -hmm. was a train wreck mm -hmm. in Sacramento. You put mm -hmm. me under a microscope of Hollywood, I would have been oh, yeah. a three-ring circus. Yeah, and I, so, can, I can only imagine. Yeah, so I'm mm -hmm. grateful for the fact that, you know, whatever success I'm having now is coming later in life because I'm an emotional spot to take it, to mm -hmm. handle it, to take the good, the bad, mm -hmm. whatever. Because um, I don't, yeah, I just, I don't know that I would have made it out alive. <laughs> um, so it's it's just interesting, you know. So for anybody that's young and listening, whatever success you get young enjoy it embrace it it is what it is and if you don't get where it is you think you are supposed to be at a young age know that your time is it will be on time it will be when exactly when it's supposed to be um we all have different periods of success and i've had and success looks so different you know and too many times people put a price tag on success and think that you have to earn a certain amount of money in order to be successful and the way that i look at it is Pursuing your dreams, following your heart, and doing what makes you feel good, that is successful. And if you get a butt ton of money that comes with it, hallelujah. But going after your dreams, I think, equals success. And um, hopefully down the road, you know, the financial success comes with it. But sometimes as artists, just because you're not making a lot of money doing what you love doesn't mean you're not good at it. And so just like keep going, keep working on your craft, keep writing your scripts, keep going after the things that are, you know, making you feel um, inspired and trusting that more is coming. I've said it before, if you would have told me that I wouldn't have, you know, the bulk of my success until my 40s or 50s, I might have found another career, but I'm so glad I didn't. You know, I'm so glad I waited till this time to this moment. My mom and I were talking this morning because I got a guest star um, audition yesterday and she's such a rich character, you know? In my 20s, I didn't get to play those rich characters. Now they've got history and pain and it, you know, it's just juicier to me. But whatever it is that you get that comes your way or wherever you are in your journey, just be there, just enjoy the moment. Um, what other uh, things have, have come to mind or what questions might you have for me about this whole actor's journey? Um, I would think, or I'm curious about, I know you've told me, but when you were doing something you didn't want to do for a uh -huh. really long time, what was the transition like? Or what, you know, was your heart just yearning? Or Yeah, what? so it was interesting because when I was in Sacramento, I managed restaurants and hotels. I did all kinds of stuff. I knew how to manage, you know, companies. Um, I, you know, I, I, was, I was good at delegating and good at, at that kind of job, but it, it never filled my heart. But because I didn't finish high school, it was like my ladder to climb. And so I climbed this ladder 
but it, I only did it because I was good at it, not because that's what I wanted to do. And I remember I was managing um, a, a Marriott Hotel in Roseville, and somebody had left their binder behind. Uh, they had done a, a banquet or whatever, and so you know the person cleaning up brought it to me, and there was a business card on the left-hand side and on the right-hand side, and it's on one of my vision boards. There was a page written out of Oprah Magazine, and it said, it was a whole page, and there were some things highlighted, but the thing I remembered it saying is your only purpose in life is to find your life's purpose. Mm -hmm. And I just knew sitting in that desk, it wasn't that. Mm -hmm. Sitting in that hotel, I was drinking again. I had had sobriety from 24 to 27, and I was drinking again. And I'm like, this is not my life's purpose. This is not mm -hmm. what I want to do. And so then I moved to Hawaii and um, my friend Sonia was there and I read the book, The Artist's Way. And it was like doing The Artist's Way like it was my job opened up my eyes to re remembering what I wanted to do as a kid was be an actor. And here I was 28, 28 years young, and I thought I was too old. I thought I was too old mm -hmm. to start in this business. Who was I to be an actor? I don't mm -hmm. have any experience. Mm -hmm. um, but I moved here at 28 to pursue that. And like you said, I met Paul, you know, 20 days after landing here um, and, you know, tried the acting thing for about three years, but didn't know anybody, didn't have connections, wasn't a union member at the time. So I was mm -hmm. making like $58 a day for some background jobs. Mm -hmm. It just, it wasn't making sense. And so when I hung it up, you know, a piece of my soul died, but I thought, well, I have a family and mm -hmm. I have responsibilities. And so I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And, um, you know, the drinking increased and um, my, my happiness changed. And even though I loved Susan and I loved Susie Cakes and I loved the people I worked with, it's not what I came here to do, you know? And I remember when I, I quit drinking in 2013 and at the beginning of 2014, I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta do this again. You know, yeah. now's my time, now I'm gonna do this. And I was able to join the union at the end of 2014 and the rest is history. Like, and I remember my husband saying, if I really, really knew how happy this would make you, I would have had you quit so long ago, oh, you know? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, we needed a dual income household, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, mm -hmm. it, it was what it was and it was all perfect timing. Um, but did that answer your question? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because I just, I didn't remember all the detail of what that transition was like for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when did you, realize from a perspective of being in Sacramento and not, you know, living mm. with me being that you realize that like, Oh, this is actually happening. Like she's actually like getting somewhere. Were there ever milestones or anything? Well, there's so many things that you did. So many people you met, mm -hmm. um, that I just think, you know, you've been on a roll since then Yeah, with, um, improving your skills and, you know, trying out all kinds of new things and really have, you know, been around the best, worked with the best. Yeah, I really have. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it's just, um, I had no doubt about you, you know, and you pursuing your dream, but it's, it's just been more than I could have imagined. I'm so proud. Oh, so proud thank you, my Mom. baby girl. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the little milestones that I look at. I remember the first time I was in People Magazine. Well, the only time oh. I've been in People, Ma People Magazine. Oh. That was like so crazy. I was working a catering job with my sister-in-law, and I, on my break, like opened up Facebook, and my friend Amy had said, 
Amber. Candy's Amy. Yeah, Candy's Amy. She's like, um, Amber, have you seen this? And I looked and I was like, holy crap, I'm in People Magazine. Mm -hmm. And that was super fun. That was for when I did a film called A Wrinkle in Time. And when I booked that job, I thought, oh my gosh, here's my chance to work with Oprah. I'm going to work with Oprah. Oprah's in A Wrinkle in Time. Did you ever get to see her on no, the set? No, I was shooting in San Pedro and she was shooting in Australia. <laughs> oh, yeah. is that where they did the far Yes, exactly. Oh, cool. Yeah, so so we were working at an army base that they had converted, <laughs> you know, we, they had um, shut down like a couple of the streets in the army base and I had never been on an army base. And all of the houses looked exactly the same. It was really weird. So when we did that Stepford wide oh, looking scene oh. and all we're all dressed alike and we all come out mm -hmm. looking alike in this cul-de-sac. Stepford wives. It was like, oh, I didn't know people actually lived like this, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm just not, I'm not a military background. That was a base? That was at a military base. Oh, yeah. interesting. It was oh, at military okay. housing. Yeah, so we oh. needed like clearance to get in every uh -huh. day. It was uh -huh. like, yeah, it was an interesting shoot. Huh. Um, but yeah, didn't see Oprah. But what I did get to do was be directed by Ava DuVernay. And I was standing in for um, the um, oh, Bellamy Young, who played the, Kamaz the only Kamazots woman that actually had a line. And so they had me standing in for her. So normally when you're a stand-in, you're literally just behind the camera for lighting and mm -hmm. then they use the background actors to do whatever mm -hmm. it is they need to do but Ava pulled me over and she's like honey can, can we use you real quick and so they used me for this lighting scene and they had me do this step-in scene over and over again and I I was surprised to see it in the film because usually like I said the stand-in is not usually oh. photographed but I was I and you. yeah and I remember when she stepped around the corner she goes hi baby I'm Ava and I was oh. like hi nice to meet you and I was like oh my gosh this is an important moment I just knew it was an important moment and I saw it in the theater and um Amber's friend will always remember because I'm like that's my daughter <laughs> Yeah, people clapped. It was sweet. Yeah, well, and I remember like the most embarrassing moment. I think you were there uh, when I first moved here, and I was doing you know a lot of uh, non-union background. I worked a month on um, thirteen. What was it? Oceans thirteen, and that's where I met Brad Pitt and George Clooney. And I was just like, oh my gosh, is this my life? You know, it was my first time on the Warner Brothers lot. I, I didn't care that I was getting paid fifty-eight dollars a day or whatever <laughs> shit pay I was getting paid. Um, because I was bellied up with the best of the best of them. I, you know, I, I literally watched um, Al Pacino do a scene over and over and over again. So I'm like, I would pay to be here. You oh, know, yeah. I'll take my mm -hmm. whatever cheap mm -hmm. money I'm making. <laughs> but I thought for sure, because I worked on it a month, I thought for sure I'd be in that movie. And I came to Sacramento and I invited Deb and I invited family and I invited all my friends to see me in this movie. And I think you see a glimpse of my armpit or no, something no, go you, by. No, you run across the stage. Yeah, there's it's a, like you're it, in a navy blue dress. There's a yeah, girls in a line. Yeah, yeah, if you sneeze, you miss me. Mm -hmm. But um, it was one of those humbling moments where I thought, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite where I'd hoped I'd be. Like, I had the experience, but like anybody watching it would go, I didn't see you, you know? <laughs> but, but for me, it was one of those things, okay, make sure you make the cut. <laughs> one of my best ones was when Amber uh, did Pineapple Express. Mm -hmm. And I remember her talking about it. It was a B-rated film. Yeah, they did that. And I didn't think much else about it. And then years later, I was watching TV, and I didn't quite put two and two together that that was the Pineapple Express. And then I saw her, and you got, you know... A moment of screen time. Like five, six, yeah. seven seconds. I yeah. mean, you saw your face and everything. And yeah. 
and I was blown away. So then everybody in our world, you know, watched yeah. it. And well, and that to... was a really interesting, pivotal moment too, because I was in Sacramento when I got the call um, from Central Casting. Because again, it was a background job, and they said, "Hey, you've been picture picked by the director to play a school teacher. It would be on a SAG voucher, which that would have been my second SAG voucher." Um, you know, are you available? And I knew I'd be back in LA by then. And it, they said it's for a show about a kid with special needs is what they said. And I was like, okay, Pineapple whatever. Express. Pineapple Express. They said he had special needs. He was a pothead. You know, that was a special need. And those two actors weren't popular yet. No. Because one is, um, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Just, yeah. Yeah. Seth Rogen. And, um, and I had just seen 40-year-old virgin and loved it, but I never saw Freaks and Geeks, so I wasn't mm -hmm. familiar with these guys. I certainly didn't know Judd Apatow. So, um, you know, I had my experience sitting in the makeup chair next to Seth, and I'm like, okay, here we go again. This mm -hmm. is another surreal experience, and mm -hmm. I did my scene, and um, I've told this story before, but I, you know, Judd Apatow kept having to come over and tell me to look at the camera because I was playing with the kids because these kids were, like, hanging on me. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't care about the kids. Look at the camera. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um... <laughs> so, but what happened, it was shortly after that film, right after that film that I quit acting and I, and I went to work at the bakery. So I didn't think anything about it. And I was working at the bakery when one of my employees asked me, were you in Pineapple Express? And I said, I was. And they're like, I saw you. And I was like, interesting. And then more people kept saying, I've seen you in Pineapple Express. And I could, it would hurt. Oh, I bet. It would hurt yeah, because yeah. I was like, man, that's, that's what I really want to be doing. You know, I want to be in movies. I don't, I don't want to be, you know, working at a bakery. I want to, mm. I want to do film and television and it would crush me. And I think, God, I left. Why did I leave? You know, I left to have a family, but you know, and I, and again, I'm so grateful for my family. I'm so grateful for my four step kids and my grandkids and all the opportunities, but the, the, the little tiny soul in Amber had dreams of her own and I was pushing other people's dreams forward and letting go of my own. And that was a really crappy feeling. You know, it was a really, really crappy feeling. So I'm very happy um, that that I'm here now, you know, that yay, <laughs> yay is right. Yay is right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, here's to many more milestones. And it was so fun, you know, when we, um, you know, meeting Richie and uh, my mom, you know, was very much a part of when we did the, um, when we did the trailer for the Legend of Cat Claws Mountain. Um, and you did sound. I think you were helping us with sound and um, clothes. Yeah, and yeah, wardrobe. That was, we did wardrobe. That was really fun. Yeah, because we um, were at like a. We went to one of the big wardrobe studios, right? Mm -hmm. You were in like oh, it was yeah, huge. yeah. They had all the stuff from um, Titanic. Yes, they had all the clothes from Titanic. Yeah, and how tiny those people were. Yeah, how tiny most actors are. Yeah, in fact. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, so really yeah, so mm -hmm. you know, for for you now to see the Legend of Cat Claws Mountain being filmed, mm -hmm. you know, here that was 2016. Mm -hmm. um, and oh, that, was it? 2016? It was 2016. So okay. you know, mm -hmm. almost six years later, here we are making it, mm -hmm. and uh, it's just you know, it's crazy how things come full circle. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was such a great opportunity when we did Underdog. Um, to be able to, it was the first time Richie and I had done a red carpet uh, movie premiere, you know, and that was like a big deal to be able to have my family come and um, actually be in the movie. <laughs> it was so fun. That was so fun. Was that your first red carpet? Yes. It's the only one you've done so far, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was such a fun day too, your poor feet. Oh. But I had another <laughs> film that I had done that was premiering at Warner Brothers and it was just a short film. So I had a premiere at Warner Brothers and then our film premiere that night. 
And when we got to the Warner Brothers lot, my husband was grouchy, man, on the way there. He was like, no fun. He was doing like a lot of business calls on the drive. And I was wanting it to be this like movie star experience, right? And I, I was, I was, wish... that's my mailman, sorry. Um, happy, come here. Happy. It's okay. Anyways. Um, so we get to Warner brothers and we get through the gates and my mom is wearing high heels and the screening was at the very back of the, um, studios. And so we were running late. And so my poor mom is like walking with these terrible shoes on and um and you know i'm like so sorry and as we're walking by one of the the sound stages she was like amber that looks like the guy from shameless i'm like mom that is the guy from shameless can i say hi yeah i was like no we can't really go say hi um but yeah just being able to do the red carpets and you know when i one thing i was telling my granddaughter because she was recently on set with me and got to experience and we stayed at a hotel and she got to see some of the glamour fun part of it. But she also got to see that the days are long and that they're not glamorous. You know, uh, I think so many times, again, for the younger listeners, you are fed this illusion that it's always red carpets, that it's always movie premieres, that there's always lights in your face, that people want to interview you, that it's always attention. That is 1% of the job. You know, the rest of it is very blue collar and long days. Remember how many takes they had to do with the woman, um, she happened to be Asian. Uh-huh, the one that was playing my mom, or the, the playing the mom, the grandma. Yes, yeah. yes, and and there was all the noise, remember the lawnmowers? It must have been an hour and a half or two hours for that, like, one yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and that's, you know, that's one thing that's, you know, so great to watch Richie's evolution. When we first started, I think he took more takes and did more rehearsals just to make sure he got it because it was his first film. Mm. Now he's like, okay, boom, got it. I got mm. what I need. He doesn't need, because he also knows in editing, he has to watch all of it. Mm. Yeah. And it's exhausting, yeah. you know? And there's a lot of directors that have you do it and do it and mm. do it and do it. I was showing my mom a, um, clips from one dinner scene that... You must see it. Yeah, when it comes out, I'll it's let so you guys cool. know. It's so cool. Um, <laughs> but it's it's me playing the, the the mom with the multiple personality disorder. But I was showing her this scene, and she, she was like, how come you have to do it so many times, but each one is a different camera angle? You know, you're, there's the wide shot, there's the mid shot, there's the close-up shot, and then there's the coverage from the other person. And so it's like you do it a bunch of times so that they can get the right shot that they edit together eventually. And at the same time, it's super emotional. Yeah. I mean, you're you're from your gut crying, you know, and you have oh, I can't I can't imagine that. Yeah. Over over yeah, over. that was definitely one that that spun me into a different place. Uh, one that I learned that when I play a character like that, that I will take a break for myself um, for sure. So I usually keep these episodes to about 30 minutes. We're at 20. We've got four more minutes in this one. Was there any thoughts, ideas, anything that you wanted to share with the audience or uh, anything you want to throw out there before we close it out? Oh, I guess I would say that it's been an adventure being Amber's mom, period. <laughs> From the time even she was little bitty, she always had like the actor's ability she was always charming and entertaining and and whatnot so um I guess it's just pride admiration love and I'm so happy that she went back on her journey and like she said there's never you don't have to look a certain way you don't have to be a certain age there's something for everybody 
Yeah, I, I remember the woman in Underdog, that real wrinkly woman. Mm -hmm. I thought it was some homeless woman hanging out, hanging around, which I don't have a problem with. But it was one of the actors. Yeah. Because she, she She's was... She's a character actor. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's, you know, exciting. So I'm just going along for the ride. <laughs> and I have thoroughly enjoyed my daughter as a human being and all that she's done with acting and her successes, I must just say I'm, I'm just very proud. Thank you for the opportunity of letting me be on a podcast with you. Absolutely. And God bless all you guys and keep going. Yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, this is mom's first podcast. <laughs> um, so thank you everybody for 200 episodes. We made it to, 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 to 200. <laughs> Try saying that one. Um, and so season three will begin next. And I'm not sure what day I'm going to bring you season three. Um, I don't know if I'm going to start tomorrow or I may wait until Monday to start season three. So there may be just a little gap in a day or two. Um, but if nobody else tells you today, I believe in you. Go create some miracles. Always believe that you can. And thank you all for 200 episodes. And mom, thanks for coming on as a guest. My pleasure. Love you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.